Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. Great to have you with us. Hope you enjoyed our bowl picks yesterday over the last hour of the show yesterday. I can assure you that I am now probably going to end up, uh, let's say, 10 and 30. Okay. We picked 40 bowls because the suit made us pick the celebration bowl yesterday. But this is Friday. It is Brewers Outlet Day. Here we are a little bit more than a couple of weeks away from Christmas. You need to stock up. You also need to get those Brewers Outlet gift cards. Uh, gift cards at Brewers Outlet make a great gift. I really do. They just so say, hey, look, hey, go have a good time on us, whatever. I don't care whether you want to get the, the great selection of beer for any party you're going to be hosting or just to, to keep you over the holidays or whether you're going someplace you want to bring something with you, you can do that. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The bags are right there at the register, by the way. Right there, just for you, for you check out. Just check out the bags of peanuts right there. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels, love them, and the dills, love them. The pickle bar is absolutely all together now, second to none. By the way, some great... Uh, Specials at Brewers Outlet between now and Tuesday. Yingling Golden Pilsner 12-pack cans and bottles, $9.77. Beers of Mexico 12-pack bottles, $7.95. And Coors Light 24-pack 16-ounce cans, just $16.88. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Don't forget about those Brewers Outlet gift cards. All right. You want to make it a December to remember? Sunbury Motors, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We're going to have a fun show today. The NHL has been, without question, the single most aggressive entity in the last five years with expansion. They put a team in Vegas that made it to the Stanley Cup final last year before they lost in five to the Washington Capitals. And the NHL announced this week that starting in the 21-22 season, Seattle will be the 32nd franchise in the NHL. We'll talk with Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com, also formerly the Daily Collegian. Uh, We'll be talking with her in just a few minutes about the NHL and the expansion into Seattle. Then we will talk with Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Steelers pre- and post-game show next half hour to preview the Patriots and the Steelers. He'll give us the Steeler perspective. Now let's flip it to the other side. What about the Patriots' perspective? Andrew Callahan, MassLive.com, is going to be joining us to talk about the Patriots and the Steelers from the Patriots' point of view at 4.06 today. And then you have, in the final half hour, Penn State will have a big basketball game tomorrow when they take on North Carolina State and Atlantic City. It's part of a quadruple header. The quadruple header begins at 11.30 tomorrow. 
The Penn State game with NC State's at 2 tomorrow. It's a big game for Penn State. They already have a win over Virginia Tech. If they can get a win over NC State, those are the kind of non-conference wins that resonate in March. That's how big this game is tomorrow for Penn State. Right now in the in the Ken Palm rankings uh, on the computer, and the same story with the net rankings, NC State's in the top 15 right now. So it'll be a big win for Penn State tomorrow. they got NC State. Joe Julia is going to join us from the uh, Raleigh News and Observer in the final half hour to talk about the game and about North Carolina State. The Chargers last night won dramatically, down 28-14 to 14 with about, what, four, four and a half minutes to go. Rallied. Phillip Rivers threw three touchdown passes to Mike Williams, including the one that brought them to within one with four seconds to go. And then they ran the two-point play. Anthony Lynn, and again, this is how I judge decisions made by coaches. I'm sitting there, and in real time, I'm thinking, hey, go for two, just win it now. Now, of course, my job's not on the line. I'm not a stakeholder here. I'm thinking, just go for it. And he did. They went for two. And what was really neat was that the Chargers ran the same play they ran for a touchdown in the first half, except what they did was they took Mike Williams, who had been on the left on the touchdown play, and they flipped him over to the right. And they just dressed it up with a tighter formation, and he was wide open on the two-point conversion. And they won the game 29-28. to The Chiefs had defeated the Chargers nine consecutive times. Now the Chargers are in the playoffs. The question will be as a wild card or as a division champ. It'll still take some work to be a division champ, even though the Chiefs and the Chargers are both 11-3 and because the Chiefs still have the tiebreakers uh, over the Chargers right now. But the L.A. Chargers are in. Now the question will be whether the Steelers can get in. Right now they're in the driver's seat because they're the division leader. But... They're not favored in two of the next three. Let's quickly point out the Chargers were not the favorite last night, and yet won at Kansas City. So I'm just saying, just not being the favorite, okay, that's going to happen. The Ravens, though, are favored in two of their last three. Doesn't mean they'll win them. And the Dolphins are favored in two of their last three. Doesn't mean they'll win them. He's like, why do you bring the Dolphins in? Because now if the Ravens pass the Steelers, now they're in a wild card race. That tie is going to hang over this thing all the way through. That tie is going to hang over this. No getting around it. No getting around it. That, that opening tie, that 21-7 to lead that they blew at Cleveland, ended up being, what, 21-21? Right? Right now, it's, they have a half-game lead instead of a full-game lead. See, what happens is because of that tie, it takes the tiebreakers off the table because they're not going to be tied with anybody. All right. Coming up, NHL expansion. Vegas, a huge success. Everyone thinks Seattle will be a huge success. And you know what? The NBA, which has sat, stood pat at 30, and there's nothing wrong with what the NBA has done. Standing pat at 30, they've strengthened their league. They have a TV contract that's off the charts with TNT and we talk about the ESPN part all the time at 1.4 billion. You know, the TNT part's 1.2 billion. I mean, they're getting $2.6 billion a year in TV. 
That's amazing what they're doing with the NBA. So they've stood pat on expansion. But the NHL's gone into two markets that many people thought the NBA would try to get into. He beat him to the punch. Doesn't mean that long term. It doesn't mean the NBA can't go in there and boom, just swoop in and just take over. They can. But we'll talk with Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com about NBA, or excuse me, about NHL expansion. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Welcome back to today's show, brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Those Brewers Outlet gift cards now. Make a great gift. Show someone how much you care. Also, make sure you're fully stocked for the holidays. Hey, bowl season officially starts tomorrow. I mean, Kevin's going to be sitting right in front of the TV set, the suit, sans suit, watching the Celebration Bowl. That's a commentary unto itself. But he will be. And... You want to make sure you're fully stocked for each of the weekends coming up. You want to make sure if you go someplace for a party, you bring something with you. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. And our specials at Brewer's Outlet now to Tuesday. Yingling Golden Pilsner, 12-pack cans and bottles, just nine seventy seven. Beers of Mexico, 12-pack bottles, seven ninety-five, And Coors Light, 24-pack, 16-ounce cans, just sixteen eighty-eight. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, with that, we bring in Emily Kaplan from ESPN.com. Emily, welcome. It's great to have you with us. You were out at the NHL meetings where they were discussing expansion, and unanimously they approved Seattle. What do you think of the move of the NHL getting into Seattle now? Well, I think it's going to be a smashing success. Uh, I was just at the Board of Governors meetings when they voted them in, and that's kind of the scuttlebutt. It was really no drama. It was unanimous, you know, expecting the city, which is one of the fastest growing in the U.S., perfect storm in year one, successful on the ice, and these GMs were not used to an expansion draft. Now they're going to go in. They're going to have experience with it. They get an extra year because Seattle's not coming in until 2021, 22, and previous. So it's going to be a little more difficult from that aspect. But off the ice, uh, it's a great move for the NHL. All right, let's get into uh, the the uh, the $650 million. Vegas got in at $500 million. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and company ponied up $150 million more. What does it tell you about the financial backing in Seattle and also the fact that they've had to put money into Key Arena? Yeah, so that's the big part I want. The arena reporting on Seattle about a year ago. I heard it was going to be $100 million, uh, you know, to do this entire thing. Now the new number they're using is $800 million. So combine that with the expansion fee to get into the NHL. That's a, about a $1.4 billion commitment. Uh, so this is a group that has deep pockets. You mentioned Darren Cameron Group. Uh, David Bonderman, the investment banker, is the majority owner. And they're willing to... And that's the big part of it, the ability to willing to spend to make it right. Now, the draft rules sound like they're going to be the same as Vegas. Now, Vegas was able to, to parlay it into a team that got to the Stanley Cup final. So everyone thinks, okay, it's, it's easy going. How important is it, A, for Seattle to look at what Vegas did, but also at the same time to have their own imprint on, on how they're going to do it? Sure. They're going to have to have their own imprint because, as I mentioned, it's, it's a different landscape. Uh, one of the things 
that Vegas benefited from was people panicking with their expansion draft. Like the Minnesota Wilds were a perfect example of the GM. So scared of losing one player. He negotiated all these side deals and ended up losing two players. And that really hurt them in the end. They should have just sucked it up. So people won't make that mistake again. Uh, as for following the blueprint, though, I think what Vegas did well was they looked for character. They looked for guys that would mess well in the locker room, guys that all would kind of buy into this. We're the golden misfits. We have a chip on our shoulder. And there's no surprise that one of the leading names to be the GM of the new Seattle team is Kelly McCrinnon, uh, who's behind the scenes. I believe he's an assistant GM now in Vegas and, and one of the masterminds behind that. The NBA is doing extremely well. There's no question about that. But they haven't expanded in a long time, and it looks like the NHL has been able to get into two markets that the NBA would strongly consider if they ever decided to go in that direction. Has the NHL done a good job of beating, in some ways, the NBA to the punch? That's an interesting question. Uh, Yeah, these two do seem more progressive, and I know Seattle's a very touchy subject with the NBA because they were there and they left. And, you know, one of the things with all this redevelopment with Key Arena, uh, it does open the door for an NBA return, and I think the NBA would look at it as a relocation opportunity. It's just who's going to relocate right now. Um, but, yeah, I think, especially as it pertains to Vegas, the NHL is really ahead of the curve there. They're, they're serving as the blueprint, you know, now for the NFL, uh, which is going to have the Oakland Raiders um, move there in a couple of years. And they show that, look, you know, we all know it as a transient town. It's a touristy town. But when I went to every game there last year, I was just so surprised by uh, the local community that really rallied behind it, and it's such a stronger local community than most of us who don't live there give it credit for. Uh, Quebec City would be an automatic sellout. Everyone knows that. But the Canadian dollar is also about 77 cents on the dollar to the American dollar. How much is that playing a role in not going to Canada and putting uh, expansion franchises into American markets? Yeah, yeah, you had the nail on the head there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things in league finances that are contingent on, uh, you know, the strength of the Canadian economy. And, and that's one of the reasons why Quebec City, although it would be a terrific NHL um, city, they, in fact, have a brand-new arena that could house an NHL team if they move there tomorrow. Uh, it's just getting passed over and passed over. The NHL feels like it maxed out in Canada. Um, you know, even though um, they, they could definitely, you know, probably support two or three more franchises, the truth is, the entire population of Canada is about the size of California. Uh, so the NHL knows that if it's going to grow its imprint, uh, it needs to look to more diversity. And for that, it means, I mean, the next city we're hearing for the NHL, and this would probably be a relocation city, is Houston. Interesting. And then you mentioned a relocation city. How stable are the bottom five franchises in the league that you would look at attendance-wise? How stable are they, in your opinion? They're all different situations, right? So Arizona, the Coyotes are a team that you hear as a possible relocation team. Um, they've pretty much been subsidized by the NHL for a couple of years now. And, um, you know, it's been a little bit quiet on that front. You hear Josh Burroway, their owner, is considering a sale or something like that. That's the most likely team to move. The Carolina Hurricanes got a new owner this year in Tom Dundon. As part of his sale, he had to agree to keep them there. I believe it's five years. But uh, we all know the city of Raleigh is not exactly supporting the team as well as it could. Uh, the Florida Panthers aren't doing great with uh, attendance, but I think the NHL is committed to keeping them there. So my point is it's all different, unique situations. Um, at any moment, you know, a deal with the city could break through and then the team could move. But right now I don't think we see anything on the horizon in the next at least 12 months. 
Yeah, it was interesting because what Carolina did is they cut Chuck Caton as their play-by-play guy, and they decided to do a simulcast with TV because they're trying to, quote, cut costs. Uh, finally, uh, this question for you, Emily. How do you view the current NHL season? How interesting is it to you right now, and what's building that we should be watching for? Yeah, it, it's been a fun NHL season so far. I think, you know, last year we had the Caps Vegas Golden Knights final, which was just amazing and filled with storylines. But this year it's really about the young stars taking the next corner. And something I always tell people who are just more casual NHL fans is, it's actually a great time for American hockey. The problem is most of the young American stars are playing for Canadian teams. But if you get a chance, watch the Calgary Flames. I mean, Matthew Kachuk is the son of Keith Kachuk, and he is just a joy to watch. And then theater to everyone, Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Hockey. And then Austin Matthews playing for the Maple Leafs is probably, you know, the next face of American hockey. And it's just a shame we don't get to see him on TV too often. Agree with that. Emily, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time and happy holidays from us to you. Likewise, Steve. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Emily Kaplan, ESPN.com. She covers the NHL for ESPN. We appreciate her time, formerly of the Daily Collegian, formerly of Sports Illustrated, where she worked on Monday morning quarterback with Peter King, and now at ESPN.com covering the NHL. Next half hour, Steelers and Patriots. Big game coming up on uh, Sunday. We'll hear from Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and the Steelers pre- and post-game shows. Then Andrew Callahan after that. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet Reagan Street Sunbury wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Still to come, our preview of the Steelers and the Patriots. Big game coming up Sunday. We'll hear from Jerry Dulac, Penn State, uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and the Steelers pre and post game shows, which you hear on 100.9 The Valley. And uh, also we'll hear from Andrew Callahan, MassLive.com. From the Patriots' point of view, that's what Andrew covers now. He covers the Patriots. 
And we'll hear from him at 4.06. And then Joe Julia joining us from the uh, Raleigh News and Observer to preview Penn State and North Carolina State tomorrow. That game is in Atlantic City. Penn State has wrestling with Arizona State coming up. Tomorrow, Penn State basketball, NC State in Atlantic City. Hockey in Philly tomorrow against Princeton. Uh, That will be at Wells Fargo Arena. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. All together now, I see you out there in Turbotville. You can say it with me. Second to none. Specials at Brewers Outlet now through Thursday. Yingling Golden Pilsner, 12-pack cans and bottles, nine seventy-seven. Beers of Mexico, 12-pack bottles, seven ninety-five. Coors Light, 24-pack, 16-ounce cans, sixteen eighty-eight. And don't forget about Brewers Outlet gift cards as well. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This day in uh, sports history, then Jerry Dulac. First table uh, table tennis tournament was held at the London Royal Aquarium. Jack Johnson in 1915 became the first, uh, became uh, uh, the heavyweight champion of the world. 1952, the Brooklyn Dodgers signed pitcher Sandy Koufax. I think it worked out well. 1982, Marcel Dion of the L.A. Kings scored his 500th career goal. 1984, Howard Cosell retired from Monday Night Football. 1986, Dan Marino set an NFL record with his seventh 400-yard passing game. 1988, CBS won the exclusive rights to Major League Baseball's 90-94 seasons, the price tag $1.1 billion. 1988, the Miami Heat won their first game of the season. They lost their first 17 games. Barry Sanders ran for over 100 yards for the 13th consecutive game in 1997. And in 1998, Jerry Rice of the Niners caught a pass in a game against the Lions. It was his 191st consecutive game with a reception. That is this day in sports history. All right, Steelers and Patriots coming up. Andrew Callahan, MassLive.com, next half hour. Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Steelers pregame, postgame. Always great to have him, one of the more respected guys out there. I have a just a deep, deep amount of respect for his work. Even better guy. We go back a ways. Jerry, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show. Well, Steve, thanks. And, you know, I always enjoy talking with you. And here it is a month or so later, and I'm still sick over that Michigan State loss and Ohio State loss. Yeah, you know what, and I that I feel the same way because you know what, in the end, Jerry, I still honestly believe Penn State's better than those two teams. Oh, oh, I do too, and and, and uh, you know the people were talking about the devastating loss to uh, Michigan. Well, it was lopsided, but the ones that really hurt are uh, are those two because they had it and they lost it at the end. Yep. No question. Uh, now I want to get to uh, the Steelers. Uh, for a period of time, they had it. So let's stay on that theme. Of late, what has allowed them to lose it? Well, you know, Steve, when you look at the last four games, they've all come down to the final play. And they're one and three in those games. And they're very, they very easily could be 10-2-1, and everybody would be talking about them as the best team in the AFC, the most dangerous team, what have you. And they very easily could be 6-6-1. Six, six 
They're one and three in those games, and that's where they are. They're seven, five, and one. Your record, I've always believed that your record says what you are, and the way they are playing right now by not being able to finish games. Um, they're a seven, five, and one football team, but there is no question offensively. I, I don't have to defend them, but we even we have even seen flashes defensively of a unit that that from time to time would lead you to believe they can and would beat anybody. And you know they lead the NFL in sacks. They get great great pressure on the quarterback, but they don't take the ball away. And since that Jacksonville game, when they forced four three and outs to end the game, gave the ball back to the offense, and Ben brought them back. They haven't done that at all. They don't get off the field. They haven't stopped anybody when it counted, when it counted, and that's been the key. They are an inopportunistic defense instead of an opportunistic defense, and really that's all you have to be in today's NFL. You don't have to be a shutdown defense. Oh, it's nice if you're the Bears right now or, or uh, you know, like when you look at the, at the way the Seahawks are playing or one of those defensive-oriented teams. But uh, you don't have – in today's NFL, you don't have to be a lockdown defense – just have to be able to come up with stops or a key pick or turn takeaway when uh, when it's needed. Uh, as long as you have the offensive capability to go up and down the field. You look at that Denver game. They went up and down the field, Steve, on the yeah. Broncos. 527 yeah. yards, 27 first downs, 35 minutes time of possession, throwing it 55 times. It was they made it look easy, but they turned it over four times, twice the goal line, once at their 21. And you lose the ball game. And, and what hurt about this past game, though, is that none of that happened. They didn't even beat themselves. The Raiders beat them, scoring on their last two possessions, especially that last drive. And that, that's what was deflating to them about the, the loss in Oakland. Yeah, no question about it. I, I know when I've talked about defense in the modern era, I said, look, the job of any defensive coordinator to, to me in this era, Jerry, find me one more stop each half. If you can find exactly. me one yeah, more stop right. each half, do you agree with that? Absolutely. And and, and that if they stop the Raiders once in the fourth quarter, or was one of those last two drives, they win the ball game. You know, they, they, if they even when they didn't stop them, here comes Ben riding on his right ho- uh, white horse, bang, 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 six of six, 70 yards, right down the field, touchdown. And then if they stop them, they win the game. And if they didn't stop them, if they if they stopped them the series before, then none of that was necessary. That's all they needed was one stop, and they win that game. And and it was basically basically the same deal in Denver. The same thing. They blew a lead against the Chargers. The only thing I'll say about that, though, Steve, is it was Philip Rivers, and you have to give him all the credit in the world. That guy at age 37 stood in that pocket and made throws, getting hit guys barreling at him he had, he was hit nine times sacked a couple times nine other pressures and he just made throw after throw and he's a hall of fame quarterback for that reason and so you know people complain about it and i say yeah but it was philip rivers i'll give them that he just picked them apart when he had to when he had to on that last drive same deal one stop one stop they win that game but that's what they're not doing yeah. Yeah, it, that was not Josh Allen picking them apart. It was Philip Rivers. <laughs> right, right, exactly. A little, a little different ball game. James Conner in the first half of the season was really, really good, very, very productive. He's had a couple of tail-offs. Obviously, he didn't play on Sunday against the Raiders. Getting him back, what would that mean just to give them a little bit of balance there? Well, uh, you know, it would certainly help. Uh, it would certainly help the run game. Now, his last couple games, though, 
haven't been as productive as you mentioned. Right. He had five 100-yard games, four in a row. That was the, the five were the most in the league, tied for the most in the league at the time. I think he's since been passed by a Zeke and even Saquon Barkley. Um, but um, I don't know if – now, he's not going to play this Sunday uh, either, Steve, and I'm not so sure he'll be back for New Orleans. Um, I think he will be uh, because I think, obviously, the game's going to be important. But he won't play this week. Um, and I don't know if his style, even though he's a young guy, I mean, he takes on tacklers. He was leading the league in forced missed tackles for the longest time, not only because he was making guys miss, but because he was breaking tackles with his style. I don't know if a season long of that starts to catch up with you in addition to the amount of passes he caught um, or what. I don't, I don't see that. I don't see him being tired or looking different. But maybe what I'm not seeing is different from what he's feeling, for all I know. But, um, you know, the production hasn't been there. But I'm not ready to say that, you know, that, that uh, his season is going downhill and it's going to stay there. The injury, of course, uh, you know, is precluding any improvement. But maybe the last couple games and should they get into the playoffs, which right now, you know, they should. But we'll see. And, you know, he should be okay. Uh, you know, we'll see how he does. But he should be okay in the postseason. Isn't it amazing, though, that opening week tie with Cleveland hangs over this race? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does, Steve. I mean, um, because it was it was the manner in which they tied. Up 21-7 with seven minutes to go. And speaking of James Conner, he fumbles, gets stripped by uh, Miles Garrett. They go in and score. Then Ben gets a strip sack on the next series. They go in and score. And just like that, they blow a 21-7 lead to the Browns. And and it, it, even though it was a tie and you get half a win, it felt like a loss. And and that's what was, you know, that's what was bad uh, about that game. It was just kind of like the Denver game. Those are the games where you kick yourself, where you're dominating the ball game, and and you let that happen. Even if you look at the Tampa Bay game. They, that was their best first half of the year, arguably. The Carolina game was pretty mm-hmm. good, too. They just went up and down the field and dominated Tampa Bay. And then at the end, they gave up like three lame touchdowns. I say lame, but all of a sudden, Bucks make a game of it because their defense doesn't put, put the game away. And that's their greatest weakness is, is their inability to finish defensively, their inability to put teams away by coming up with stop, stop or stops when necessary. Jerry, what have you thought of Ben Roethlisberger? I think Ben Roethlisberger is having, uh, Steve, as good a year as he's ever had. And by that I mean, when if you look at this team, uh, imagine what they would be without Ben Roethlisberger. What, when he has brought them back at key times, when they absolutely have had to. Yeah, he leads the league in attempts. He leads the league in passing yards. Uh, and the, the criticism is the amount of interceptions he's thrown. But in that time since 2015, Steve, where he's thrown 54 interceptions or whatever that number is since 2015, second most, I think, to Blake Bortles is the number that people want to point up. In that time, no other quarterback has a better record or won more games with the exception of Tom Brady. And that's what Ben Roethlisberger does. He's a gunslinger. He takes chances, though. The reason he takes chances are the reason they win those games. He, I mean, you look, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers 
is the is the greatest uh, pure passer of the ball that I think I have ever seen. But when you look at what he's doing in Green Bay, despite how fantastic he is, 353 passes in a row, or whatever that number is, Steve, without an interception, is just incredible. But they don't win games. And, and, and you know, Ben Roethlisberger wins games because he takes chances. He always has. He's age 36, and in 15 years, he is still doing it. He's won more games than Eli Manning, more games than Phillip Rivers, and he's closing in on passing Elway and Marino, maybe by the end of this year or early next year, in total wins despite playing one less season. That's what this guy does, and, and I've seen no drop-off in, in his excellence, and I think of those people who complain about some dumb throws or some interceptions, yeah, would he like them back, and are some of them maddening? Yeah, but... What he does to counter that is, to me, is just incredible. And um, I, I think uh, I think any of those people who hold that against them, I don't think they know what they're looking at or don't appreciate what he really does for this football team. I agree with that completely, and here's here's one of the reasons why. I feel that the way they, they have had to have play defense, especially in the secondary, with Connor becoming inconsistent in the second half of the season, He's had much more pressure on him, and he's the one that's kept them in games. Uh, no question. No question. Yeah. I mean, you just look just look at what happened in Oakland. I mean, there there was a yeah. glimpse, and I'm not picking on Josh Dobbs, but no, there no. was a glimpse of what you might be looking at if you don't have Ben Roethlisberger. You're not getting any production offensively. You look terribly sloppy. There's no continuity. And then, you know, the defense gives up that drive, and it's like, uh-oh, we got to put Ben back in now because now we're trailing. They didn't want to do that. He comes in and, like I said, six or six, 70 yards, he makes it look easy. You know, he does. Here's another thing, too, Steve, to, to when we talk about being opportunistic uh, and the defense, of course, being uh, inopportunistic. Right. In eight of the games, he has, brought, he has scored. He's put him on a touchdown drive in eight of the 13 games on their last possession in the final two minutes of the first half. That type of momentum that he gives them, and a lot of times, you know, they defer and take the second-half kickoff. Then they come out in the third quarter, and, and, and I don't know what the number is, but they convert their uh, field goal or touchdown to the beginning of the third quarter. Those are big momentum shifts with, with them, and it's because of what he does when, when time is running out and absolutely necessary. He is a clutch, big-time, big-stage quarterback. There's no doubt about it. And those are the kind of the little things that go unnoticed, but those are big momentum shifts that he provides for the team. And, and believe me, believe me, those guys on that team know it. Uh, a quick uh, thought on New England. Obviously, they're at 9-4 and four right now. They're, they're coming off the loss to Miami. But I'm also looking at losses to Tennessee, Detroit, Jacksonville. Obviously, they're not the same team that they were last year. No team is. But how do you look at New England? Well, and, and as losses you mentioned, too, uh, look at the Tennessee game, 34-10. to 10, The Jacksonville game was lopsided. Right. Detroit, was, Detroit was just sloppy. They're all on the road. They're 3-4 and four on the road, Steve. I mean, that's, that's downright shocking for the Patriots. I haven't looked, but I need to do this and see the last time they had a losing record on the road. This will be their last road game. Uh, so it's conceivable they could end up 3-5 and five on the road. At best, they're going to be 4-4. Four and four. Um, so they have not played well on the road. Um, you know, they've had injuries with Edelman. Gronk's just been nagged all year. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Brady's, even though his sack numbers are down, 
the games they have lost or struggled uh, is when he has been under pressure, and that's going to be a big key uh, for the Steelers on Sunday. And they, uh, they lead the league in sacks. They've been providing a lot of pressure, <clears throat> but that's what they're going to have to do to Tom Brady. If they try to sit back and disguise or protect Gronk, they're making a big mistake uh, because he'll, if you give him time, he'll just pick them apart like he always does. He's played them enough times. He knows their tendencies. But the one thing that's going to, to disrupt him is pressure. And in those games that you mentioned and those losses, that's exactly what happened. And, but they've all happened on the road. So I, I think there's opportunities there for them. Yeah, the Patriots, they certainly aren't unbeatable. They're very beatable, but they're a good team. And, boy, do you have to give them credit. Their roster changes over, not from, not from free agency defections, from Bill Belichick turning that roster over year after year on his own and still coming up with the same results. I know a lot of that's because of number 12, but it's amazing how they do it year after year after year. It is amazing. He seems to have uh, that ability, that sense of what the shelf life of a player is. I mean, that's how yeah. I've always looked at Belichick, that he seems to know what this, okay, you know what, I think you only got one more good year in you, and I don't want to right. like put us in a bad spot. Have you felt the same way? Yeah, th- yeah, and, and he, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, he's traded away, uh, you know, some of their, some of their uh, best players, Jamie Collins, yeah. you know, Sandy Shipping out Chandler, and a number of guys. He lets them walk. And, you know, it's funny because the Steelers are the opposite. The Steelers protect their core players. They keep them. They retain them, and that's why they've been successful. They let the, you know, the, uh, you know, the kind of the periphery guys walk, or maybe a, a guy who looks like a nice starter. They identify the guys they have to keep, can't afford to lose, and they retain them. And uh, with the exception of Brady and Gronk, uh, Belichick is not afraid to let anybody, <laughs> to let anybody walk or, or move out of, uh, you know, move out of town. Jerry, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. I always enjoy the conversation very much. Well, Steve, always good chatting with you, and uh, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you, Jerry. Appreciate it, my friend. You got it. Jerry Dulac, Post-Gazette, and the Steelers pre- and post-game shows. All right, so that's the Steeler perspective. Coming up in the next half hour, Andrew Callahan from MassLive.com to give you the Patriots perspective on the showdown between the Steelers and the Patriots, the Patriots in better shape at nine and four, two game lead in their division. So they've got some uh, wiggle room to play with. Steelers don't. They have a half game lead in their division over Baltimore, and when it comes to the wild card, they're only a half game up there as well. So there you go. There are the stakes coming up in Sunday's game between the Steelers and the Patriots. So Andrew Callahan will be coming up in the next half hour to give us the Patriots' point of view about where they are and some of the keys of the game from the Patriots' perspective. Final half hour, Joe Giulio is going to join us from the Raleigh News and Observer Penn State basketball tomorrow with NC State in Atlantic City. A big game for Penn State tomorrow. It's one of those games that resonates in March. That's why it's big. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.